LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Group Answers Podcast, a weekly show designed to resource, train, and encourage small group leaders. Each episode considers current trends and resources, as well as timeless truths and methods of discipleship. It's hosted by Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. Now, enjoy the show. Well, hello there, Chris Surratt, and welcome back to the Group Answers Podcast Show. How are you? I'm good. Hey, Brian. It's good to mm-hmm. see you. I don't think mm-hmm. you've ever started the show that way. I feel important. I feel seen <laughs> right at the top. Yeah. We're winding down the summer. I mean, when, when they go back to school, it, even though there's, for most of the lower 48 and not counting Alaska, We've got a few more weeks of niceness. Actually, a lot more, a lot more in the South than that. You don't want to be premature with the doom of the gray, but back to school does, it does, it is an indicator. It is. We it cannot, is. we cannot ignore that. It's a season. I was just talking to my wife about that. I mean, it, she said, Hey, it's fall. It's September 1st. And in my head, I went, No, it's not. I, I can't even remember when the official first day of fall is. I mean, it's, late September, maybe early October, you know that better than I do. But it really is a signifier of fall. The Labor Day weekend kind of sets things going. We just sent our daughter back to college a couple days ago. Um, Mm. People are getting back into church from their vacations and you know, summer rhythms and uh, groups. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute at Harvest. It's past weekend was a big weekend for us so yeah and um you know the stores are already selling christmas which just blows my mind yeah that's just where we are these days chris it's just it it's wrong but it's true it does feel like that well i mean all seriousness you get school there's like a settle in period and then there's a fall break in there and there's halloween and then it's holidays. It does feel like it moves really fast, very much downhill from back to school to say mid January. That's what it feels like. I don't know if every, I don't know if that's shared by everyone or not, but that's what in the adult world that I inhabit, that's kind of, that's kind of the rhythm. And it's that way too when we plan a curriculum because we're looking at how many weeks until the next big kind of interruption for groups. So we've got this many weeks until um, Thanksgiving, and that's a big interruption for groups. And then from Thanksgiving, we have this many weeks until uh, Christmas, so obviously another big interruption. And then you got to start thinking about New Year. You know, what? What are you? how are you going to kick off the New Year? So this really is kind of go time for not just <laughs> – family life but also for group life well we're doing a shorter show today so uh i i want i did want to get your thoughts on what's happening at harvest with uh any takeaways or don't do's or do's as you guys just are well just launched your fall campaign 
Just tell us about that. Yeah, this is my third fall campaign launch at um, Harvest. Wow. And we have definitely learned some things over the last two. And I think this one is going to be our best one. And we've changed, which is, I mean, I, I came in with a lot of ideas of what I've done in the past that have worked well. And you know, at, at, um, at my previous churches and some of it did, some of it didn't. It, it really is contextual. You have to, uh, take principles and apply them to the local culture. Uh, Southern California is not Nashville, Tennessee at all. Um, I mean, you know that, but in culture and rhythms, uh, you know, there's some, you know, there's some, uh, there's some things that are the same, but a lot of things are different. For instance, holidays, you know, like Labor Day, Memorial Day are not actually as big of a deal out there because I guess they've got the beach and they live in vacation area. So like this weekend, this week, uh, upcoming weekend, we're going to do another group group's open house. And when we first started talking about dates for this, I was like, you know, that's Labor Day weekend. And they're like, eh, it's really kind of the same for us. And so that, you know, just little things like that. But um, this past weekend, we kicked off our, our fall group season with a, a Saturday training. Um, we call it a rally where we get all of our leaders together in one spot, at least at each campus. And so we, uh, we gathered, uh, probably about 400, 450 leaders between the two Southern California campuses. Uh, we were not able to do one in Maui this year. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We normally do one in Maui and Riverside and Orange County, but, uh, uh, we did a Saturday morning, uh, started with some inspiration, some worship. I did an inspirational kind of a vision casting type talk. And then we had a couple of our uh, directors and a pastor uh, do segments. And then they broke out into breakouts. And we have uh, women's groups, men's groups, couples groups, uh, young adult groups, co-ed groups, and they all break out into their own uh, kind of huddles. And that's something I've learned. It's That was a new thing for me that I never really did at these uh, rallies before. But with their culture, they're used to getting together with their smaller groups, with their support leaders and their directors and their pastors and talking through what's coming up. And the new Bible study, we have a brand new type of Bible study that a lot of our groups will be going through. We have new curriculum track that we just launched to open up the possibilities for groups. We're calling it 10 um, so all of these things needed to be discussed within kind of those smaller groups. So that was Saturday um, from like nine to twelve. And I, I, you know, I used to say Saturdays don't work anymore. People won't show up on a Saturday. So we've got to get more creative than that. Than that. I don't know, Brian, if it's just post COVID or it's Southern California, but they all show up. I mean, we get big, big turnout for, uh, for these things. So that was great. And then Sunday, uh, we did what we call an open house. And this is also another area that I have changed since I've been there. Uh, if you've read my first book, Small Groups for the Rest of Us, I'm a big believer in the connect event is what I call it. Um, I got it originally from Saddleback and Steve Gladen. Um, but basically it gets people into a room around tables. You run them through an experience of a small group. At the end of it, they feel like they, they, 
know what a small group is about. It's not as scary. They can jump into a group easily from there, get connected at the event. And so for my first couple of uh, fall kickoffs out at Harvest, we did that and it just didn't work. We did not get the attendance. Um, when I've done it in the past at, uh, in Nashville, we had huge attendance. In fact, we had such big attendance that we started doing them every night of the week um, for a whole week. But this one, just a handful of people. So we changed it up this year, went more with what is probably considered more of a small group fair. We set up tents out uh, outside. Again, this is Southern California. You can do everything outside, um, put different uh, uh, types of groups. We had a women's tent, a men's tent, co-ed tent, all of that good stuff. And people could go out between services, talk to leaders, um, get signed up for their group, check out the curriculum, buy the curriculum while they're out there. And it was great. It was a huge hit. We had great numbers, a lot more people joining groups than we did with my, my connection event. So my takeaway of this is just because it has worked in the past doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work now, especially if it's a new um, context, a new community. You just have to really uh, figure out and be willing to adapt and change to the community that you are in. And, and that's even if you stay where you are, you know, especially since COVID, a lot has changed. So, yeah, so that's some of the things we learned. It seems like it seems like so much of our wise counsel for uh, group leaders and pastors that are in our listener uh, group is along the lines of, hey, there there is no wise counsel. So just go figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> just try it and see if it works. It's a, it's a lot of that. But We're just kidding. There's some good books. There's some good podcasts to listen to. Hey, I do have something to ask you about, Brian, or to to discuss for a second. I just thought of it. The Unstuck group just came out with their report. I was just reading it this morning. They survey uh, several hundred churches all the way from 100 to 8,000. And what they found in this report this year is that attendance is back up from, you know, pre-COVID or normal uh, to pre-COVID, but they're finding that engagement, which includes groups, is down. So average church um, last year had like 50%, 51% in groups. This year it came out at 47%. What do you think about that? Three points. Did I hear that right? Yep. You know, I, that could be a statistical anomaly, but if you're going to take it at face value, I, um, yeah, I think you're looking at in a post COVID world, maybe people are willing to give one unit of time. And uh, that that's more of a tendency or a trend than that second unit of time. That, that could be what we're looking at. Three percentage points isn't, that isn't something that's alarming necessarily. I think, how often do you guys do that? Is it every six months? It's yearly, I think. Yeah. Oh, I thought the most recent one came out less than a year ago. But anyway, I, yeah, um, you could be right. I could be wrong. Um, I think I think to see the next one to see if that trend continues would be would probably more of a benchmark on a question like that. But if I was if we're gonna just take it for what it is, I'm working with uh I'm working on a on a book project with a with a co writer and he is a church planner out in Burbank, California. Because I'm fascinated with the whole idea of contextualization, discipleship, and I think I think churches are are, are going to have to move more and more that way. 
group ministries are, but really at the, the at the larger level, just just church, just just church direction and strategy and the way that you're going to reach your community. And at First Baptist Church, where I live, in the in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt, doesn't feel it now like a church in Burbank or a church maybe in Southern California, like you, but they are. And I would say that number is indicative of that, mm-hmm. that we're going to have to figure out what makes things go because the day is coming when you can't just say, we are a church, you're going to come. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really most people that are listening will probably say, well, we're already there, but I don't think we act like that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that we're really outreaching. So one of the conversations that I've been in, we spent several Karen and I spent a long time last Wednesday afternoon just sitting down and talking church with uh, with this Burbank church planner. We'll probably have him on the show at some point. They do what he calls missional communities, mm-hmm. and they are disciples of the church that are in different communities like around Burbank, and they go out, they invite people to it, and they basically have group, but it's a little different, Chris, because this leader said to me, like any pastor, it makes me all kinds of nervous that I've got people in my community being discipled that have never been to church on a Sunday morning. They've mm-hmm. never come to church on a Sunday morning. All the discipleship is happening in these missional communities. I thought that was really interesting. That, And what I said to him was, you are developing a culture, an ethos of discipleship so that you don't have to be physically present or in physical contact with everybody because you are in contact vicariously. It's a term that I've come to know as the integrated pastor. Mm. So it's the, the pastor's vision that has been given to him by the Holy Spirit that's infused in the church. And he, he doesn't have to be necessarily present in all of those relationships. Like in what we're talking about is coming through on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a risky venture. Mm-hmm. So that, but, but, but it's an example of something that is working in context that he's having to trust what we say we believe in mm-hmm. uh, this relationship with, with our calling and with what we believe to be true about the Holy Spirit. So I just, I just wonder if that number, if that trend continues, if we're looking at the beginning of something that's going to ask us to have to revisit a lot of our conclusions. Cause, you know, honestly, we've changed some superficial kind of things, but we haven't, we haven't really changed our approach to group ministry for a long time. No, no. It's interesting about missional communities because that was a big, uh, I don't want to call it fad because that that makes, that belittles it because I I believe in the concept and I think it's something that can work, but it was kind of big several years ago and a few churches like Austin Stone and, and a few other churches got really behind it. And then it seemed to kind of disappear and, but when I'm out in the West Coast, I'm hearing about it more out there than I am where we are. And then I was talking to an East Coast pastor in Pennsylvania yesterday, and they are going to start, they're influenced by a guy in California that is doing missional communities, and they're going to start trying it. So there may be this revitalization of that idea, especially coming out of COVID, of less programmatic type of groups, groupings, and more of an organic yeah. being a missionary in your community, which I can totally get on board with. Yep. I mean, I, 
I, I do think it may be a both and a little bit because you're going to have people in your church yeah. that are just going to function better with the more pro- pro- programmatic type of we'll put you in a group. But um, I also can see life change happening deeply in a missional type community. The speed of communication is is something that aids and abeds something like this too, that you have text, there are platforms the church can use, even video can be easily transmitted. And those things, all those things have been around a long time, but maybe here on the leeward side of COVID, we're starting to maybe integrate those things a lot more or to a greater extent than what we did prior. Mm-hmm. So that's something to think about too. But I, I think, I just think we're, we're going to have to revisit some of the, some of the things that we thought we put to bed. And why wouldn't we? I mean, that's, that seems, that just seems to be how God works. It's, you know, he, he, he has not spoken to us, but once through a burning bush, he is a dynamic, there's a dynamic aspect to our relationship with God, particularly in group ministry and, and just mm-hmm. how, and just how effective a church can be. And we, we have to hold on loosely to things. So anyway, I, I wonder if that number is indicative of the need to start giving some scrutiny to some of the ways that we've gone about this. Probably so. Another piece that's down is serving volunteerism um, and it's down quite a bit and I can back that up with real life um, I work with a lot of churches as well and every church that I've worked with since COVID uh, is struggling with getting um, people back serving volunteering um, so I think this total engagement and how we engage people probably needs to be rethought and re-examined yeah. I just think those are residual effects of what we're seeing with the D the D the dereligiizing, if that's a word, of America. All the stats mm-hmm. show a declining interest in in the, this broad category for, of religion. I don't really like that term, but I think it serves us well, you know, in this context. But we've seen those numbers coming in for some time now. I mean, a, maybe not a decade, but it's been close to that. Yeah. And volunteerism just seems to be what would follow that kind of thing. I remember sitting with the church, uh, Holy Trinity Brompton, actually, uh, where Alpha is out of, um, and we were at a a thing together, and this was several years ago. This was probably um, 12, 15 years ago, and we were just talking about church culture in in where they're at in England, and, you know, at one point, partisanship in church was was a thing there. It was, you know, like it is here, and now they're living in what they've called a post a church a society for quite a while and their prediction was America was headed there. Um, and they thought like in the next decade and thinking back 15 years ago, it would have been a little difficult to see that on the horizon. Just, you know, you look at the overall numbers of what people respond to that go to church and all of that. And it feels like, well, especially since COVID or mid, you know, 2015, 16, 17, it's just dropped off, uh, off the cliff. And we are definitely absolutely headed to a post church society. And what does that look like for us? We've got to figure that out. And does it look different in New York city than Nashville, than California? Probably. Um, I don't know who said it first, but I heard Howard Hendricks say it first that we are always only one generation away from complete ignorance of the gospel. Mm. It's always stuck with me. I'm sure everyone's heard some version of that. So, you know, while that's easy to believe, it was hard to see when Mm. I, um, 
when I first heard it. But with comments like that, Chris, it just, that starts to, I just remember those words coming back. So who knows? Well, yep. I mean, it, it just, it, I mean, we, we keep showing up. We keep challenging ourselves. Nothing really changes, but I think we're, um, it's actually exciting. I, I don't think it's a reason to lament. I, I think yeah. we should turn things over every so often. So I think it's a know, challenge. That's where we are. It's a challenge mm-hmm. for us to not be um, comfortable yeah. and not to just think that what we're doing is working because it's not. I mean, the SBC has been seeing the numbers for quite a while with baptisms and uh, all of that headed downward. And I don't, you know, I think some of it's an SBC thing, but I think it's a society thing and it should challenge us to, uh, to do new things, to experiment, uh, to reach people in new ways and not be comfortable. So I, I, I see it the way you do as well. So we got a couple of minutes here. I know with, uh, with the news coming out of Maui that harvest was, has been maybe closer to that, to that tragedy than other churches have been. And that's not to be dis- that's not to diminish how others have pitched in and been involved. I know sure. you have a campus there. Yep. You and Jenny are over there quite a bit. I want to yep. say, I don't, I guess that's a relative term, but you're no stranger to the area. Yep. So just talk to us a little bit about just what, about how you guys are responding and, and give us some insights as to how, how you're interacting with the church there in the, in the community there on Maui. Yeah, it's been tough. Um, and I, I mean, the news has definitely shared how tough it is, but uh, if you've been over there, um, and you, you've been to West Maui, you know how important Lahaina is to that island. I mean, it is the most historic, uh, part. It was where the kingdom was based back when it was a, a kingdom, Hawaii kingdom. Um, it's one of the most historical cities, uh, around. It was, and it's just beautiful. I mean, it's where when my wife and I would go over, we, we go over twice a year, we would go and hang out almost every day in Lahaina just because it's just a gorgeous place and the history is amazing and all of that. And an entire town, Lahaina town was just wiped out, just totally taken out. And I've, I, I've been through hurricanes. I've been through tornadoes. Um, you know, all of that. And I've seen devastation. I remember one time we went to Alabama after a really bad tornado and it was just, you know, you'd see entire neighborhoods and we saw some of that with the 2020 tornado here. But what you would see is like houses in this area gone, but houses over here standing or a house on one side of the street still there, houses on the other. And we saw that in my neighborhood as well. It's an entire town. It's like if you took, um, I mean, it's bigger than this, but let's say you took, uh, Franklin, Tennessee and you just wiped it out. You took downtown Franklin and within about five, six miles of there, you just took it all out and flattened it to the ground. That's what it looks like. And so, uh, our campus is right there. It's actually a part of Lahaina, even though it's just north. So it, it didn't get, um, in, in the fire, but everybody at that campus was connected to either living there, uh, staff or, uh, um, businesses or relatives, people die, you know, all of that very connected. So yes, we are, we are kind of in the middle of it and, um, doing what we can. I mean, it's going to take years years to rebuild. But uh, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to uh, equip our groups over there to um, uh, do some trauma, um, 
curriculum because uh, they're going through trauma. They've gone through grief. And so we're going to try to equip them as much as we can. Obviously, financial. If you want to help out with that, you can go to harvest.org. We have a, a fund set up for Maui. But uh, yeah, it's. I was supposed to be there, Brian, the, the mm-hmm. week after the fires. I was leaving Monday. The fires happened on Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, obviously, at that point, it was like nobody come to Maui. And so we didn't. We didn't end up going. But I am going to go in probably the next few weeks just to serve and be there. Um, but yeah, thanks for asking. It's, it's tough, but, um, they're going to rebuild. And I believe through groups, um, they're going to rebuild, uh, uh, emotionally, spiritually. And, you know, God's going to do something. He's going to bring beauty out of ashes, literally in a Maui. I know you and Jenny survived the, hurricane uh no 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 the tornado in downtown nashville and you you pitched in and were uh, really active in in some of those efforts just to you know take care of people down there so you're bringing some experience into that yeah. with the difference between of course franklin tennessee and lahaya lahaina lahaina is yeah is that there's nowhere to go exactly I mean, I, I read about people going, escaping the fires into the water. So, I mean, that was, that sounds, I mean, I don't want to overstate things or be sensational, but that sounds horrific to me, you know, it, because you, there's a helpless feeling and your only solution is to go into the water. So we just need to just by all means continue to pray. I, I don't know if Harvest has something set up that if anyone wanted to give, they could, but you yeah. can. Harvest.org. If you go to harvest.org, um, it'll be right there on the front page. So if you'd like to give, that's a great place to do it. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Group Answers Show. Thank you for being with us. And as always, just uh, love to hear back from you, either comment comments wherever you listen to the show or uh, Twitter, now X, or email. So we, uh, as always, we encourage you to subscribe. That's the easiest way to find us. Until next time, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Group Answer Show. Thank you for being with us.